Hey guys, welcome to the Average Waterfowlers Podcast. On this episode, my brother and I are actually hanging out in one of our blinds, which is pretty cool because you will be able to hear uh, how Caleb and I kind of communicate and work ducks in those kind of situations. But really, the subject of the podcast is Caleb and Scott's recent trip to Oklahoma, what they learned, how they did it, that sort of thing. I think you guys will learn a couple things. It's pretty interesting. Let me know what you think. Hope you guys enjoy it. Fucking super cold here in the duck blind in the Mississippi Delta. Just kidding. It's 58 fucking degrees. <laughs> but I still dress like I'm cold. Yeah. Still got it makes me feel confident. That's right. So this will probably be a short podcast, but um, we figured we'd do a quick update because we haven't been posting a, a ton of stuff. Um, kind of tell you about how our season's been going, which has been awful. And then some birds. Was it? Oh my god, well, I thought Dude, that was making the craziest no, noise. No. I never have never ever heard, heard a gadwall or one of the duck do anything like that. Yeah. You pulled it off that group though. Really nice. 
Like it split from it once and it split from it again. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get any of that audio on this. Your podcast recording machine. Baby. So, um, so yeah, so that's about how today has been going. Um, We've got this blind in the middle of this field. Hey, hold them up and show them what we got going on here. Yeah, so let me flip this here so I can show you guys kind of what we got going on here. Excuse the uh, lack of professional recording here, but so we got our decoys here. We're in this um, kind of bean field, and then we got more decoys over here. Again, like we were saying, this fucking blind is flaring the shit out of birds. Quit cussing. Sorry, I will beep those out. I won't. Um, so it's been a rough morning for us. As you can tell, it's a little foggy. Not real bad. It I got was, sunglasses on because it makes me look cool. That's right. Builds confidence. It was more foggy earlier. Um, but yeah, it's just been kind of birds looking at us and then not wanting to finish. Making a few laps and not finishing. I had a pair if of- If you listen to our earlier podcast, we talked about putting a blind in the middle of this field and saying, well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, you're seeing how it's, you're literally, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see how it's going. Not very well, no. except Ta-da! one tealy bird. One teal. We had another group of teal in that um, pulled the most MacGyver th moves that I've ever seen in my life. Plus, this thing is not great. Like you kind of have to do that and then you don't know where the birds are. And then you just start firing in the air because when there's lead in the air, there's hope. There's a possible chance for victory. Not lead, excuse me. Non-toxic shot. Yes. Bismuth. Bismuth is what I'm using. Trying it again. I'm using the black cloud and I've literally been poking feathers out of birds this week. I've been down here for like, this is my fifth day down here. It's been a lot of birds not dying. Um, killed a few. But these guys are Caleb and Scott, who's not here, just got back from Oklahoma, and they had a pretty good show. Uh, pretty good trip out there. Yeah, so you guys remember on um, podcast number two, where I talked about searching for ducks in public areas? Well, and then I told you I wasn't going to hunt that area? He lied. <laughs> I didn't hunt that area, but I hunted near it, and it was um, pretty decent. I'll put it this way: there are, there weren't very many ducks there, but if you're wise enough and cunning enough to where you can find ducks and set up where they want to be on that public land, 
you can kill a fair number. I mean, we didn't kill two man limits every day, but we got usually like close to like eight or nine birds a day. Um, we had to, uh, we hunted some of the, some of the bigger reservoirs out there and, uh, basically, um, basically some of them we had, we could walk in and hunt, others we could canoe in and, um, and it was fun. We did a lot of quail hunting as well. We didn't do so well on the, uh, quail hunting front. It was certainly not easy as walking around the woods with two dogs. We did get some jackrabbits though and we cooked those up and ate them so that was fun. Um, but yeah. The yeah. birds were super responsive to the call you said? Yeah they were very responsive to the call and uh, it was the first chance that I could use bismuth and really get to see what it could do. And I'm shooting this Kent Bismuth Scott shooting it too. I'm shooting it as my first shot. And then I've got leftover hyperstonic that I'm shooting as my last two. And that's has seemed to do, to be doing really well. I don't know if I'd recommend that because it's two different velocities and can screw you up on leads. But when you have half a case of hypersonic sitting around or half a flat, you gotta do something um, with it. So uh the bismuth has been absolutely powdering ducks it's i like it a lot because with steel you can be like oh i shot that duck and it didn't fall out of the sky with bismuth it's very honest you either shot and hit it and it's coming down or you shot and missed and so you definitely have like direct feedback it might not kill it every single time uh but it's definitely hitting the water so uh, yeah, I really enjoy this bismuth. It's like two bucks a shell though. And so if, if you're not shooting that often or that well, you know, that's a personal decision you're going to have to make. Hmm. So, I don't know. It went really well. Uh, like I said in the first podcast, if you're going to be doing public land hunting, um, the things that I would absolutely do is I would call the biologist for that area. He's going to be able to tell you, you know, what the weather has been for the past year, whether there's enough water there, whether, um, oh, there's some ducks right there. just disappeared. What the fuck? Where did they go? Yeah, they pulled like a dini and just... There they are. some more right under those geese right there. 
I can't tell if this lens is foggy or not. Yeah, it's been a uh, a morning of exactly that. Now uh, we had a group of teal come in. It was pretty sweet. Big wad of them. Caleb went and took a poo, and I brought two mallards down and missed. Yeah. I think I connected with the uh, Drake on the first shot because I watched it kind of. I, did, I watched what I thought get hit and its neck get crooked and so I swung over and started shooting at the uh, the hen and she was kind Wait, of far you, away. You shoot hens? I do when it's this slow. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. But if it comes in here, I'm pulling the trigger. Yeah. Um, and then I look over back to my left after I wasted those two shots and I see that that drake is flying over that way towards that tree line i'm like what happened so he and he was or he wasn't shooting bismuth yeah what are you shooting i'm shooting black cloud yeah it's like a it's like a like a hacky sack yeah compared to that bismuth yeah no this stuff knocks birds knocks them down i think a lot of people say like oh i hit that didn't fall and they use it as an excuse because they missed. Yeah, see, I'm wondering if I'm using that as an excuse. I don't think I am because I remember its neck doing something weird. And that's why I switched to the hen. But I might just be, I might have missed. I might have him turning around yelling, F you, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, tough hunting. Okay, so the lens was a little foggy, so I got that cleared up now. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, if you're going to do these public land hunts, um, you know, first thing you need to do is you need to, you need to touch, um, get in touch with your biologist out there. And each WMA or public land should have its own biologist or... Uh, a group of WMAs will be covered by one biologist if they're in a similar region. The other thing I would do is I would make sure you have two species of animals to hunt. So if you get out there and the duck hunting stinks, you know, you've got quail, or in our case the quail hunting stunk and the duck hunting was enough to keep us feeling pretty good about ourselves. Um, the, the, I would say on the ground biggest lesson I learned and I didn't used to do this when I was hunting a lot of public land uh, prior to like a lease when my first probably what six years we hunted solely public land is that I would just sit in a hole where I had killed birds before and I would never move. Um, we got to the point where we went to a, a new place one night, a new WMA about 80 miles away from where we were staying previously and uh, we got there late, probably around 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, and um, and we hadn't scouted it, but we did some aerial mapping and picked a place, picked a location, 
and uh we went out there and we saw like three birds really far away wanted nothing to do with us out there where we were so we decided to pick up walk out and then just drive directly to a place of observation like a boat ramp or something with a pair of binos and from there we sat for about 30 minutes picked a spot canoed out to a new spot to check it out got out there we couldn't stand and hunting out of a canoe is with two guys and a dog two dogs is a bad idea um, so we we kept moving um, we found a place we could stand we went out there the next day and spanked them um, so I would say you know sometimes you got to know when to cut your losses and find a new spot and put that day of scouting in lose you know a couple hours of hunting with a gun in your hand and, and start hunting for new spots um, that paid huge dividends and then the next day we went to a location kind of in the similar um, like geographic uh, or terrain feature so it was uh, really like you know only a couple hundred yards away and we spanked them there too so um, once you once you got your spot that you scouted you can go there you can hunt it and you can say oh well they're kind of doing this you know oh, or they might be landing a little bit further this way than we thought and then you can you know shoot your birds go out there and take a look at that see how you're gonna set up for the next morning um, the other thing that was kind of cool is like if we wanted to there was a bunch of like little potholes on the public land and if we had wanted to um, we could have gone out there and jump shot a lot of mat a lot a lot but you know there'd be usually like three mallards sitting on a pothole you know we could have jump shot some of those mallards which is not really my deal but it's definitely something you can do if you've got like a young kid a dog um, you know, you can kind of walk around and, and see what the dog pops, you know, gets his hands on. He might wind up some mallards and you can send him out to that pothole and get around it and hopefully those mallards fly up your way. Um, you can also do some rabbit hunting. We did a lot of quail hunting, which we were failed miserably at. We got one quail in like a week. Yeah, like, not a week, but probably five days of hunting one quail mm. the biologist told us that it was going to be hard because they had a dry dry year and quail apparently need you know they just need water and stuff so um and you know i mean uh he said that like opening day 200 people were at one wma hunting up quail so really? yeah so they had shot the them. shot the crap out of them um, and one thing we had thought about doing, this is a lot of, a lot of private land out there. We thought about going out to, uh, knocking on doors. Um, the main reason we didn't is because we hadn't fully ran out of options and we weren't in one central location, one WMA long enough to really, um, figure the area out. Yeah, well, to figure out there weren't any quail at any of those places. Yeah. Um, there was just too much public land to try and go and hunt. Um, I guess lessons as far as, like, the dog is concerned. 
um, is that your dog has limits. You should know where those limits are. And uh, if you're gonna do a hunt like that where you're hunting um, ducks in the morning and then you're walking five miles a day in the afternoon after quail, you just gotta really read your dog. And really like at night, cater to him more than you're catering to yourself. Cause we were camping, we didn't stay in a hotel room or anything where it was warm. So, I mean, a lot of times we'd get back, we'd feed them, put them directly in the tent and throw some jackets over them because it was getting down into the thirties, um, just to keep them warm and make sure they were getting enough to eat and enough to, uh, and enough sleep to function the next day for duck hunting. Cause a dog will absolutely shut down on you or hurt himself, which is even worse. So you really gotta try and take care of the, of the pups as much as possible. Um, and that includes always checking their feet after a hunt, always checking their nose, because if they're running around through cattails or briars, they're gonna get cut up. They're gonna um, uh, constantly have little scrapes and stuff. And I was, basically I always just kept a bottle of a little pack of Neosporin in my um in my pocket so i could just put stuff on little scrapes you know to kind of help it out or clean it um so yeah it's one thing to think about if you're going to do it the hard way like we did um but from what you said it was like really affordable yeah That's i mean sharing gas it was probably license included and everything food and stuff probably 500 bucks um for a week you know and if you're gonna like maybe not 500 maybe not even 500 bucks mm. um we ate a lot of the stuff we killed out there so that cut down right um one thing that was cool that we did too is we got a dutch oven and we um made a fire and dug a huge hole in the ground and then put the coals down in there mm-hmm and then filled everything with dirt. And basically, when we'd come back from camping, um, or we'd come back from hunting, our our stew had cooked. And we'd have like rabbit in there, some ducks in there, um, vegetables, you know, some spices, herbs, some, some stock of some sort that we made. Um, and that's like a good way to skip out on a on having to sit down and actually cook if you're constantly hunting. That um, sounds really good. Yeah, it was it was delicious. Um, one thing that you gotta like we kind of like learned out there is that by doing that, your meat becomes a, like whatever you put in there becomes a lot a lot more tender hmm. and able to be stomached easier, just because it's sitting in there all you know warm for for a long time yeah like 12 hours yeah and so like you know the rabbit just peeled off the bone another thing we did is like when we had the stock and we had done finished everything we uh heated it up stirred in some flour and then turned that into a gravy and then made biscuits and made biscuits and gravy out of it yeah that sounds awesome so it was really good um you know, you can think of things like that to save time while you're out there hunting. Because the bottom line is that when you're doing public land hunting, 
um, and you're camping out there doing it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. So like anything you can do to, uh, to cut down on the time of cooking so you can just go to bed when you get eat and go to bed is like saves you at least like an hour and a half of you know of like just cooking and cleaning and stuff like that that's one thing you said is that you feel like you just didn't get a lot of sleep out there no i'm like were burning so many calories yeah i'm like still tired and i slept pretty well last night um yeah it just wasn't a you know i mean you'd get up and like to me, like public land hunting is just a bit more exciting because you never know like what you're going to be confronted with. The situation's always changing. You're never staring at the same flock of decoys on the same pond, looking at the same birds land in the same location, unless you're you're kind of doing it wrong. Um, and if that's the case, and you know there's birds in there, you just got to move. You got to pick up. You got to move and find a new place. Um, you can't be complacent or you're going to waste time and when you Look at all those birds, dude. See if you can get the camera on that. Someone's driving a, a four-wheeler over there. Somebody just drove a truck down over there. Let's see. Can you... We got two coming out this way, Josh. like we probably should have ran out there and put 12 mojos out <laughs> would have sucked them right down <laughs> look at these teal interested about leaving that hole over there. Um, I mean, some of them have been interested. Some, yeah, maybe a little bit. Just not over this blind. <laughs> Talking about being complacent. Here we are complaining about this blind. We're not doing anything to solve it. Oh, we got to move it, obviously. I talked to Scott, said, go ahead. All right. He was like, I just didn't feel like we should move it without hunting out of it. Which is true. Yeah. 
That is true. There's a gat wall around here. I'm just jerking it over here. Dude, that's funny. Ha ha ha. It never ceases to make stop making me laugh. <laughs> I wonder if you're the first duck hunter to ever say that. No. No. I <laughs> just mess with you. <laughs> first duck hunter to say it this minute. There's a CRP hole over there that is just holding a ton of birds. I think I think CRP has literally changed the game for hunting out here. Yeah. Um, because when you've got that much cover and that much natural seed in an area, birds do not leave it. I mean. Like we've been sitting here all day and we've seen a couple hundred birds and that's not the fraction, that's a fraction of what was in there. Yeah. And we had, we've been watching it all day. So when you've got birds that will not leave a hole, even though you're a couple hundred yards away from it. I'd say we're about 600 yards from that hole. Well, there's a couple holes in there. Yeah, they're all piled up in one though. We've got a CRP hole. Um. It just doesn't really have any water in it right now. It might have. It rained last night. It might have given us something. We got a hawk to come over. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good, man. Called in a hawk. Um, so yeah, we've got a CRP hole, which might have water after last night. I don't know, we need to run over there and check it. We got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, we do. We gotta move this blind. We gotta go check that hole. I'm hungry. I'm hungry too. Um, I've got to drive back to Chattanooga. I might not after after this. I don't know. See how I feel. What time is it? It is 11:41. It's probably time. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still going to get any of this other stuff done. Yeah. If I'm going to get home before midnight. You like to crack my first beer before 12 o'clock, so <laughs> what time did you say it was? 11.41. Mm, that's yeah. not going to happen. No, not today. <sighs> All I right, think, guys. I think the, um, you need to go out and you need to show them this blind from the outside. All right. And I think your lesson of hunting for the day to make sure that your blind's not sticking out in the middle of a field with nothing around it. I put pictures of it in earlier podcasts, but yeah, I'll come out, walk them out, and show the blind. You know, and we said, oh, it's probably ain't gonna work. And it's just a lot better if you say like, hey, this isn't gonna work, let's move it while it's still dry. Yeah, that would, uh, 
we made a mistake in thinking that we would just be able to pull this thing with a four wheeler because it's well we were like we were like, like oh no it's not gonna it's not gonna work we gotta we gotta dig down get yeah. the blind down get it lower its silhouette yeah which is a good idea but if it's as bad as it is you just got to move it you got to it's real bad i'll show you guys bear with me so here you see our blind we got some coffee beans behind it and whatnot and kind of just soybeans running down the middle over here to that levee and then the water runs all the way down there but we're trying to move it over to these coffee beans is the goal to uh, have it blended but this this spot just filled up um, last night like the water was not up to that point so we didn't really have anywhere to put it and uh, we finally got rain last night so yeah you can see it's just kind of sitting out here looking like a blind there's old Jasper dude so I think that uh, I think that we are going to end this hope you guys enjoyed seeing our hunting situation and uh, we'll check back in with you guys hopefully after we've killed some birds talk to y'all later